Well, I'm very glad and very humbled to be with you this morning. After singing the songs we just sang, I feel very inadequate to give the following message. Because we've just sung and put forth in song many of the things I want to bring before you uh, in a much less powerful and moving way. I'm thankful uh, to Cole to allow me uh, to preach, to speak to you from the pulpit. I I hope he also has a good time worshiping with his family. I don't know if you noticed this, but he doesn't get to do that very often. And I hope, Cole, that you get more time with your family as the years go on to worship uh, and that, that those times are refreshing and encouraging for you. We look forward to the reception where we can hug your neck, but I'm going to go a little bit against Cole and say, please don't kiss our babies. (laughs) It is hard enough to keep them healthy as it is. Find another way to express your love to them. As I, I look at this passage, I think of what is to me a kind of a, a guilty pleasure uh, you know, it's not, a, a, and it comes with TV watching, and it's not a show, uh, shows I would turn on if a, a bunch of other guys are around, but if I was in a waiting room or other things, or maybe by myself or with my wife, I would watch it and enjoy it more than I would admit to others that I do. Uh, but it's a, almost a, like they've almost perfected the formula of this type of show. And it shows, uh, it shows like Chip and Joanna Gaines in Fixer Upper, where they go to this run-down dump, and, and you just think, oh, my gosh, what are they going to do with that? And then after 30 minutes of, uh, you know, watching, the whole place is completely transformed. Uh, other shows like the, the Biggest Loser, where you have these, these folks that are, overweight and, you know, they're just going through this horrendous exercise and I'm sitting on the couch eating ice cream, watching them uh, <laughs> suffer. And then, but then as, as the show goes on, you know, they, they look like a completely different person. Uh, there's even shows like What Not to Wear. And I, I really don't care that much what I wear, much less what somebody else wears, but I'll, I'll get kind of drawn in to watching that show where they take somebody who's got kind of some frumpy clothes or outdated and they change their clothes and their makeup and they give them a new hairstyle and then they just present something totally different. And like I said, I don't care that much about hair or style. You probably already noticed that. But I get drawn into that show, not because I'm interested in those things, but because I'm interested in what I call the big reveal. Each of those shows has this kind of moment. You know, Chip and Joanna Gaines build these giant posters that they block the view of what the house is now with what the house once was. You know, they have the picture of the person before they lost all the weight. They have the person in the frumpy, outdated clothes, and then what do they do? They cut the commercial. (laughs) And and then they'll come back. Why? Because they know that's what you're watching for. And then you come back, and they have the big reveal. 
where, where what once was is moved aside and what now is come for, comes forward and you think, oh my gosh, it's a completely different house. It's a completely different person. It, you almost don't recognize it. It's an amazing transformation. And the reason why I bring this up is because the passage we are looking at today is about what I, I consider the greatest transformation, the ultimate transformation, uh, the big reveal. Look at our, our text with me. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. We're going to kind of go through this passage a little bit in reverse order. We're going to start at the end and work our way backwards. We're going to be kind of dealing with three questions. What is our destiny? Where is our life? And so what? The first question is, what is our destiny? And I want you to know that in this passage, Paul is talking about the destiny of believers. And, and it, even though this section begins with an if, it, it's an if statement that Paul's kind of saying, if this is true, and it is. He says, if we have been raised with Christ, and if, if you look back in chapter 2, verse 12, uh, Paul says, of the believer's position in Christ, you have been buried with Him in baptism in which you are also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. So as you read through the book, you first see that we have been raised with Christ. So when he says here, if you have been raised with Christ, the implication is, yes, you have been raised with Christ. So this, this is the destiny of believers. It's not, well, this might be the destiny of believers. You realize that as a believer, you have a destiny? If you're not a believer, you also have a destiny. But that's a message for another time. What is our destiny? This shows up at the end of the passage. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. And, and, and this is the part of the, this passage that really struck me as odd, because I know Christ has not been fully manifest yet, that He hasn't appeared in His full glory, that He hasn't been fully revealed yet, so we look forward to His appearance. 
uh, in, in a way, not only did the music prepare us for this message, but I think the season we're in prepares us for this message because we've just finished looking back at the first coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the King, the Christ. Cole's about to enter into a series dealing with revelation and what is our, our hope and expectation in that it is to look to the second coming of our king. So I, I get to serve as a little bit of a bridge from that first coming of Christ to us beginning to look for and long for the second appearing of Christ. So I and as we look forward to that, we know he hasn't been fully revealed yet in his majesty and his glory. But the, notice, the passage uses the same term when talking about us. Christ hasn't appeared yet, but when he appears, then you also will appear with him glory, in glory. It says we will appear. We will be manifest. We will be revealed. When I, I, I read that, I had a thought that I had never thought before. And it was completely new to me and completely biblical. That if the scripture says I will appear, that means I haven't appeared yet. It's kind of an odd thought. And if you believe in Christ, you haven't appeared yet either. So I guess no one's here today. <laughs> but as the reality of that truth began to settle on me, it was a wonderful relief. Do you know why? I'll let you in a little, a little secret. Because I get frustrated. I get frustrated at myself. I get frustrated at my failures. I get frustrated at my sins of commission. I get frustrated at my sins of omission. I get frustrated at my lack of progress. I get frustrated at my lack of growth. I get frustrated at my times of backsliding. I get frustrated at my times of weakness. I get frustrated at my doubts and despairs. I get frustrated at my fears. I get frustrated at my lack of love for my Savior and at my lack of obedience to my Lord. But the good news is that this is just a shameful shadow of what I will be. When Christ comes, then the glorious fullness of what He can accomplish with one who has faith in Him will be revealed. I have not appeared yet. This is good news, not just for me, but also if you believe in Christ, you haven't appeared yet either. That's good news for you, and it's also good news for me, because I don't just get frustrated with myself. I get frustrated at you. I get frustrated at your failures. I get frustrated at your sins 
of omission, at your sins of commission. I get frustrated at your lack of progress. I get frustrated at times in your weakness and backsliding. I get frustrated at your lack of love for the Savior and your lack of love and obedience to our Lord. But the good news is that you are just a shameful shadow of what you will be. When Christ comes, then the glorious fullness of what He can accomplish with His people will be revealed. You have not appeared yet. The church has not appeared yet. Our destiny is that when Christ appears, we will appear with Him in glory. This is a kind of pinnacle of assurance in the book of Colossians that Paul has been working towards in order to protect the Colossians from some false teaching and false spiritual practices that are beginning to infiltrate the church. So the first question we've looked at here is what is our destiny? Our destiny is that when Christ appears, we will appear with Him in glory. The second question is an odd question as well. It is, where is our life? You might, might think, well, that never thought that question before. I've never thought about the location of our life, but this is a question that Paul has been building towards answering throughout the book of Colossians. And without going through everything in the book, I just want to emphasize there are two things that he is trying to lay upon and impress upon the Colossian believers throughout the book. And one is that Christ is preeminent. Didn't we have a wonderful time singing about his preeminence this morning? And the second thing that, that he is, is arguing to and impressing upon the Colossians is that Christ is preeminent, and secondly, that the believer's life is inextricably bound to him. In, in fact, Paul argues that We've died with Christ. We looked at Colossians 2.12 that shows up other places. Not only have we died with Christ, but we've been buried with Christ in baptism. And that we've been raised with Christ. And uh, by the way, I'm gonna take a little tangent here, but I hope that it is a sanctified tangent. One of the things that's been spoken from this pulpit from Cole and others is an emphasis that baptism is not necessary for salvation, but it is not optional for the believer. Uh, when, when, when Paul says some of the things he says in, in Colossians, it almost looks like uh, baptism saves you or, or regenerates you. That We know that that is not the case. It's not a ritual we go through that saves us. But part of the reason Paul uses this type of language is for him, it is inconceivable to have an unbaptized believer. To say that you are following Christ, to say that you are a disciple of Christ, to say that Jesus even is the Christ, Christ, 
You know what Christ means? Is the Greek, closest Greek equivalent to Messiah. It's a king. It's a savior. It's a deliverer. If if, if you say someone is your Lord, if you say somebody is your king, if you say somebody is your savior, yet you have not taken the first practical expression of that faith, you're, you're in a very odd position. So if you are a follower of Christ and you have not been through baptism, I encourage you to participate in this beautiful picture of what Christ has done for us. Paul uses the picture of baptism to say, you know, in in the same way Christ was uh, died and buried and rose again. We, in in our baptism, we die with him and we rise again. So so you're buried not in the ground, but you're buried in water. You're, You're raised now. And as he paints this picture, what, what is he, he describing to us? He's describing our salvation, our life, our everything is tied with Christ. He says, just as you have died with Christ and just as Christ has been raised, where then is our life? Is it here on earth? Is it with us? Is that where our life is? No, he says. First, he says, our life is hidden with Christ. Do you notice that? If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not things on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Uh, this term hidden here has kind of a sense of hidden away kept securely, but out of sight. Uh, I I have a friend who uh, attends this church, and uh, he was able to to have fun with somebody. Uh, Imagine uh, you're this guy, his name was Steve. He he walks up to Steve and he says, hey Steve, do you live at so-and-so address? The guy goes, yeah, I I do. And, And he says, so, is that safe still under the baseboards of the closet there? The guy's eyes got real big and he kind of took a step back and he said, and is the combination still 14, 80, 32? Guy's guys got even bigger and he kind of stood there guessing. He said, how did you know that? What was his, his concern? His concern and, and worry was that in this hidden safe in his house, they put everything they didn't, want people to know how to access. And now a stranger walks up to him and tells him not only the location, but the combination of the safe in his house. He says, how did you know that? He said, I used to live there. I owned the house before the next guy moved in that you bought it from. Here, though, it's talking about something that is hidden and secure. And I I, want to ask you, if our life is truly hidden with Christ, in heaven, how much more secure can you be than that? What can get to it? What can take it from him? But not only does he tell us that our life is hidden 
with Christ, he goes even further than that. Not only is our life hidden with Christ, but Christ himself is our life. The bond of security is even stronger. Our life is the Lord of life. It is the resurrected and ascended King. He has died once, never to die again. If He is our life, what can destroy Him? What can defeat Him? If He is our life, our life is secure. Our life is safe. Our life is majestic and glorious and powerful. But just as Christ Himself is hidden out of our sight, so is our life. And so we eagerly await His arrival. We eagerly await His appearing. And when He appears, we will appear with Him. Where is our life? It is in heaven. Why is it in heaven? Because Christ is our life, and that is where He is. So what? What difference does that make, especially here on earth? Our life is hidden with Christ and has been earned by His death and resurrection. And when He appears, he, we will appear with Him in glory. How does that change how we live? It protects us, first of all, against two dangers. One danger is trying to earn or obtain the life that Christ has already gained and secured for us. In, in other words, this reality protects us from self-righteousness. Christ, through His death and resurrection, has earned our salvation and has taken the penalty of death that we might have life. He has taken the penalty of sin through death and the shame on the cross. He has conquered sin and death and shame through His resurrection. And He has now ascended into heaven till the time comes for Him to return is our life and we wait for His appearance. Now, if Christ is our life and Christ secures our life, how foolish would it be for us to work here to try and earn life from God as if Christ's work were incomplete? Do you think you can surpass His righteousness and obedience? Do you think you can uh, overcome the perfections of Christ? Do you think His work has been insufficient in securing your salvation? Do you think you have to add some guilt, add some shame, add some pain of your own in order to complete His saving work? Or perhaps you need to add a little bit of your own holiness, your own effort, your own righteousness in order to finish what Christ has started. No, saints, Christ's work is sufficient. He took our sin. He bore our shame. He rose to life. He defeated the grave 
a love like this the world has never known. We sing the cross is enough, but are you living that out? Are you trying to add your own efforts? The reality of our life being Christ and our appearance coming with Him in glory protects us from trying to earn what Christ has already obtained. Secondly, it protects us against the danger of trying to find your life in this earthly existence. There are pleasures and glories of the earth. And oftentimes believers can be distracted, deceived, and choked out by these things. We're trying to find our life in earthly thing. We just passed New Year's uh, and Many times people are focused on making a new you, finding yourself, being yourself, making yourself a better version of yourself, have more fun, eat out more, save more, have more security. Saints, there's nothing wrong with trying to improve who you are and things like that, but don't invest your life in those things. Our life isn't in this world. You are to be dead to this world and worldly things. This isn't our home. We're just passing through. I had the honor and pleasure of working uh, with some Muslim background believers uh, a couple of years ago. And as I worked with them, I witnessed people who had left their homes, left their families, who had been beaten, who had been raped, all because they refused to put their life in earthly things, but instead rested secure in the reality that Christ was their life. All they had to do to escape the rapes, the beatings, the persecutions, the imprisonment was to deny him. They gave up their country, they gave up their family, they gave up their possessions. Why? Because they found something greater. Don't become wrapped up in the joy, the security, and the glory that's here. Our life is with Christ. I hope you can rest and rejoice in the secure salvation that Christ has obtained for you, and I hope you live in light of your destiny. Focus on Christ. May He become preeminent in your life. Wait and long for Him and the ultimate transformation that is to come. Let's pray before we participate in a reminder of our Savior and His sacrifice for us. Lord, we thank You for the grace and mercy that was poured out of the cross. We thank You for the power of the life that was demonstrated in Christ's resurrection. And Lord, we look and long for the appearance of Christ when we will appear as well. We pray that until that day occurs, we might glorify Jesus Christ and magnify his gospel. 
in all our life. Lord, may we not seek to earn what Christ has already obtained. And may we not waste what he has given us by living for earthly things. We pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to accomplish these things in and through us until our faith is made sight and we see our Lord. Amen.